You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the Best Life. We are now because we have so, we actually have so many things to catch up on. We have we a lot. When was the last time we even talked on a to catch up on on a podcast? Yeah, or it's real been life. A, uh, both probably. It's probably the same time. Was it we haven't FX had last Connor year? on our podcast yet. Not yet. Oh wow! I don't know how this hasn't happened. I don't know. You guys were guests like number three or four on my podcast. Oh so my gosh. We were. So we have Con- Connor Wanders. Actually, I don't. Yes, I you know do. your last name because I just call you Connor Wonders. <laughs> Connor Moore. Connor Moore. Oh, Connor Moore. That's <laughs> like you know it. I do know. People get that mixed up though. They think it's like my stage name. Connor Wonders. So. <laughs> it is your stage name. It, it kinda, it's, it's like kind of Jill is. Fit. People call her Jill Fit. I my call you Connor Wonders. Yeah. Well, that, Jill yeah. has a brother named Connor. So if we're talking about you like referring, we're like, oh, Connor Wonders or your brother Connor? Was it the brother that was playing the drinking games with us last time? No, no, he that wasn't was Dare. No, I like him. That man. was so fun. <laughs> that was <laughs> fun. Yeah, that was my best. favorite. We've had him on the podcast twice now. Well, he's he's way cooler than me, apparently. So we have Connor Moore here, and we've been on your podcast, which was Pleasure Monkey, which, and yeah. now it's the Realness Podcast. The Realness Podcast, yeah. The realness. It's been that's been about a year, a little more than a year, probably. Yeah. Now. Well, so we were on two years ago, two Junes ago, and then last year we were at, on at Paleo FX. Remember, we were in mm-hmm. town. Did you yep. go to Paleo FX this year? I did not. I we bailed, it was, which is a big thing for me. I mean, I've always lived in Austin. I yeah. started Paleo FX. Like, that's where Jill and I met for the first time. Yeah. He introduced oh, wow. me the first time. When was that? 2016. Was, yeah, yeah, 2016. I was that's emceeing crazy. a stage. They knew that I, you know, because I, I coached and I was a good at talking in front of people. So they were like, hey, well, you, you know, Paleo FX is very disorganized. So they hit me up <laughs> last minute. And were like, hey, do you want to emcee this stage and kind of volunteer? So I was like, yeah, sure. That'd be great. And uh, it was awesome because I met a lot of really rad people. Yeah. And that was like when you were just kind of getting into the industry. Like where were you? I know you owned a CrossFit gym at one point. Mm-hmm. So at that point I had the CrossFit gym. Okay. Yeah. So I was, I was, I had the gym. That was really fun. I think it was about, it was probably right towards about halfway through the gym process. So about six months before I closed it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Which was a, which was a fucking mess. So right now. Okay. So just to give people some context, share like what exactly you're doing now in terms of for work. And now you live in LA and we're so excited because you're right down the street from us. But like, what are you doing? What would you categorize yourself if you're at a cocktail party and people are like, what do you do? Oh God, I would probably be a smart ass for like five to seven minutes before I actually told them what I did. But for you guys, I'll, I'll sum it up. Um, <laughs> That's what I do. <laughs> exactly. Like, we make stuff up. Like, I, I, mm, yeah. We told some, what did we tell? We told these dudes, uh, we had a fetish website. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And then Danny actually bought the URL. <laughs> the it's bikiniarmwrestling.com. 
So now I do own that. It started as a joke, but now I'm the proud owner of BikiniArmWrestling.com. I buy URLs all the time. If I have an idea, I just go I go buy, buy, the, buy the domain yeah. name. Yeah, me and too. Then, and then I'll get an email a year later like, hey, this is this is expiring. And I'm like, what, why do when, I own that? Is that yeah. drunk? Like, oh, I have so many. Well, GoDaddy too. Every time I call for like customer service, they're like, do you want to join the domain club so you can get domains at a discount? Because you have a lot. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm going to just let those expire. I don't. I'm like a domain buyer as well. When I, I collect. the name from pleasure monkey to the realness i kept like all the pleasure monkey websites and they yeah. just redirect to the realness websites um and they all expired this like about a month ago oh, and it actually felt so good i was like you know yeah. what i'm gonna let that go like i don't yeah. think anybody even knows what that is anymore yeah um so now i kind of fell back asward into i consider myself kind of an unconventional personal development guy is what my instagram says why unconventional um because it's uh it's it's funny that being very straightforward is now unconventional, right? Like there's not, it's like, it's yeah. like, it, it's, it's, it's funny how the shit, how the shifts happen, right? There's like pendulum swing of personal development. And then that's everything, right? Politics, shit, even religion, spirituality, like there's these pendulums that swing back and forth. And in this situation, I feel that, that being straightforward and direct, and I have people like Mark Manson to think for that, thank yep. for that have become of higher value, mm-hmm. which is great for me because that's kind of always been my style. So the unconventionality, unconvention- un- unconventionality, is that even a word? Yeah, we make up a lot of words here. Yeah. Um, is, <laughs> it's is, not, it's now. Is in the, like, you know, I can kind of tell a guy to not be a pussy. Yeah. Right? And that's, I guess, relatively, it doesn't have to be soft and spiritual. And sure. I think coming from a soft spiritual background, that's that's nice. Or I'll talk to a guy about, like, you know, one thing I miss in my life, and I think a lot of guys miss out on, is like the importance of violence. The like importance get violent. of violence. Like okay. that's not that's not a conventional thing to no, say, right? Totally. So, so in that in that in the way that I articulate what I find valuable and how I help people understand what they find valuable is through, yep. is through kind of unconventional means. But as far as the the nuts and bolts of it, it's coaching, it's retreats, and uh, it's the podcast. Yeah, you're about to go on another retreat. Yeah, the first one down to Costa Rica. Yeah, so the first international, international oh. worldwide, worldwide, <laughs> international worldwide. Okay, so tell us about where you're going. Or uh, you said Costa Rica, but what? How long are you going for, and what is this retreat about? So we are going down to Soltara Healing Center. We're leaving in eight days from right now. So in May, it'll be May nineteenth to the twenty fourth. We're doing three ayahuasca ceremonies at the Soltara Healing uh-huh. Center in the west coast of Costa Rica. <laughs> and uh, we, myself and Mike Salemi, a good friend of mine. Uh, he's a movement expert. We're going to be just doing some workshops that are around the ayahuasca ceremony. So, okay. So the backbone of the whole thing is you get your individual ayahuasca experience. Yeah. Because people yep. ask about that all the time. Yep. And, and one of the biggest barriers to entry is finding a place that you feel like you are safe and, and can trust what's what's going on. Yep. And, and for me, I kind of take the responsibility of putting myself out there and like I'll go literally drink the Kool-Aid kind of yep. and see if this place is worthwhile. Um and we had, they had a great situation where we could rent the whole place out for a week. Nice. So we've got, I think, about 15 people going down um, Yeah, next week. To so have you been there before by yourself? Mm-hmm. And then this yep. time, is it your first time like leading the retreat yeah, or hosting the, it? The team that I, that I wanted to go down there, the people that I was uh, considering for going to, to go down there with, we all went down there together. Yep. Tried it out, felt it out, and it yep. was it was it was a great fit. Yeah. So we, I mean, one of our most popular podcasts was our ayahuasca, our ayahuasca podcast. You talk about that a lot on yours. I try not to talk about it too much, but uh-huh. it does come up. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to try and talk about it because it just, it just, it's, it's going just, to come up. I think there. we actually messaged Connor like that week. 
Yeah, because we were really scared. We were so scared. Actually, I text you. I think I text yeah. you from because I was like having a really bad time the first night. I think I text you the first time and you're like, yeah, you're going to be okay. And I was like, I need to talk to Connor or somebody that's done this. It's actually, that's how, so Kelly and I, my yeah. girlfriend and I, that's how we, so I was someone that she had listened to my podcast from uh-huh. Soltara and, and that's how we kind of, one of the first ways we got to know each other. She was reaching out to me the same thing. She would just come back and she was like sh- having like kind of the shakes and didn't really know what to do. So she was reaching out to me before we really knew each other that well. Like, hey, can you know? And I and I off you know I I started incur- like becoming a, a place for her to have the conversation about what's normal and, yeah. and and how to work through all of that. I wanted to try to find my text to see where I. Uh what I wrote you, but I don't know if I could find it right this moment, but yeah, I reached out. I was like, um, just, I think because Jill didn't go the second night and I was like debating whether I should go or not. So I think I reached out, like, give me some tips that it's going to be okay. (laughs) And I remember you weren't like super, you're like, yeah, it's, it's rough. And I was like, shoot, this is not what I wanted to do. The last thing you want to tell somebody is like, Hey, it's going to, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And then you go into like, the here's the text (laughs) I sent you on February 12th. So this was after the first night. I was like, yo, I'm going into second ayahuasca ceremony tonight. Dot, dot, dot. A four. Tell me everything will be fine. (laughs) And you said, it's a lot. I know, but you've got this. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, tell me everything will be okay. I mean, that's the thing. That's the scariest thing about any psychedelic. I was having this conversation last night too, is like, knowing it's going to be you're going to be okay like it's going to be it's going to end at some point you know no matter what you get into and and for me and my ayahuasca experiences the most the most beneficial ones were the most challenging like 90 percent of the of the the night was fucking miserable yeah and the last little bitch like okay god i see where i was coming from or where i was what i what i I was see i see what the the purpose of all of this darkness was i mean one of the nights when i was at soltara and they use a tribe, uh, they, or I wouldn't say they use a tribe. They work with a, with a, a tradition from uh-huh. from Peru called the Shipibo tradition, okay. and it's a male and female, which I love. Um, and they, and they don't have a lot. Of, a lot of traditions will have the male as like it's more patriarchal. Like there'll uh-huh. be a male, and then like the female is like this assistant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not like that at all. This is it's fifty fifty. Like they're they're working together, and they both bring their own medicine to the to the ceremony. In this situation, I, I loved it because they leave you alone a lot. Like they're not micromanaging your experience. Uh-huh. Like you, they, they each sing you a song and they're singing to the to the whole group, but it's very raw and it's all voice. There's no there's no uh, there's no instruments or anything like that. And it's it's there's something beautiful about it. But one night I went in and I like to have set attentions around teach me or show me. Mm-hmm. Um, those are two really great ones because then it takes a kind of an empowered path. So. Mm-hmm. I went in third night, I believe, and it was uh, my intention was show me my heart, which was just it had come up that week, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is great. So I go in, I'm like, okay, show me my heart. That's that's where I'm kind of telling. I mean, I'm ready to see that. Yeah. And an hour in, you know, starts things start happening, and I see hear this voice, <laughs> and it's my voice and the voice of like the mother or ayahuasca, like that other yep. voice, and I'm I'm kind of a third party, like an objective party to watching, listening to this conversation. Yeah. And all this victim stuff starts coming up, like mm. these reasons that. You know, I'm not what I need to be or who I need to be or, or the stories mm-hmm. that I'm telling myself. And she goes, you've got to let that go. And I go, well, I don't know how. Mm-hmm. And she goes, you got to let it go. And my voice, and it felt like it wasn't me, but it was, yeah. goes, um, well, who am I if I'm not a victim? Ooh. And I was like, what? Hang on a second. Like, Ooh. what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I would like to interject here, but that's that's the story that was going on in my head. She goes, well, if you want to be a victim, I'll show you victimhood. So for the next three hours, I'm 
oh, dying over and over again. And like what I would call it true victimhood, like prison camps, Holocaust, uh, innocent Vietnamese wow. being killed by American soldiers, starving to death. Dang. Like every every atrocity that I had any kind of knowledge of, I like lived through. I got through. chills so much. It was, and it was like looking down at myself and I remember thinking to myself the whole time, I don't want to die like this. Yeah. I would be confused and scared. Like it would like what it would what I can imagine it would really feel like to to starve to death and just be like confused. Yeah. I feel like that, that's probably the the dominant. And it's the feeling of 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 it being so unfair. Yeah. Mm. And I come out of that whole experience and I remember having like little moments, you know, those little brief interrupts where you're like oh, okay, right. like what's uh, going on yeah. and the person next to me is just like purging so hard and I'm yeah. like I need you to shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like I just need like two minutes <laughs> to like get my mind. It's yeah. like I, I get a little bit of relief and I have to deal with someone else crying yeah. when I was just in like a prison camp. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they can't escape, you know. And uh, there was a point where I went to the bathroom just so I could have like some silence yeah. and just like set tried to like purge a little bit but i had that whole experience and i was laying i remember sitting up and i was just sobbing i'd been just crying this yeah. whole time i'm just scared and confused and started realizing that i was back in my body again yeah and i remember feeling my left arm like up my left arm and i'm like oh it's my arm and then i kind of started laughing at the fact that i get like down on myself because my arms aren't as big as they used to be or something. <laughs> right. I, was right. I was like there's like a little bit of loose skin i'm getting older and things like that and i was like this is so silly like, i'm just so excited to have an arm yeah to be back in my body and then i keep working up and i get to my heart and i remember thinking the whole time like what does this have to do with my heart that's what i came in here for what yeah. I have to do. and i was thinking like heart energy you know that whole thing which i have i've had experience like that before but i get to my heart like working up my left arm and i start feeling my heartbeat and i just get this overwhelming gratitude to, for for just being alive yeah wow. and thinking about the times in my life where i didn't really want to be alive or didn't think it was worth it or thought i was better off if i wasn't here yeah and it was the first moment in my life where i felt what it was like to be truly overwhelmingly grateful to be alive wow. and for every beat of my heart so it was funny that you go in there with this intention of like yeah. showing my heart and i'm thinking something totally abstract totally and it's like no your literal physical your literal heart. beating heart inside of your chest and that was i remember walking up to the the star deck after that whole ceremony was like that that night changed my life forever it's crazy, it's like the stories like and hearing it, and even you saying like you see yourself, but it's not you, and it's your voice. It's like it's so hard to explain these experiences to people, but they are so impactful. Yeah, and just like specifically for you that you needed. Mm -hmm. So, how many times have you done like a three day ceremony or something like that? So I've done. I did a three day ceremony in the states, uh -huh. um, in the hill country. That was a fir my first time. I think that was like in two thousand and. 16. Okay. And then I had, I did one night with ayahuasca in Peru. Mm -hmm. uh, last time I was down there, that was on a whole like week of different plant medicines. There was a lot of different plant medicine work. We did Huachuma and uh, Vilca, mm. um, and which was really cool. It was a really cool like medley of different kinds of Amazonian, Amazonian plants. Uh, and then I did four nights at Soltar the last time. So all in all, then eight ceremonies. Wow. Every one of them are vastly different. Yep. You get nervous before everyone. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's been it's been a really cool experience. So really, three separate, yep. different ceremony spaces with different facilitators. Got but it. Over eight eight total, just like sitting ceremony. It's nights. so hard to think about, and this is one of the things that we came up against. Is like it's so hard to willingly go into like what you just described <laughs> sounds amazing, but I can't conceptualize that until like after I've done it. So all I'm thinking is, okay, I'm gonna puke my brains out. Like I might see like fire and brimstone for like three hours straight. <laughs> it's definitely not recreational. So how do you sell this to 15 people? You're getting to to come down with you mm -hmm. to Costa Rica, like what exactly 
I mean, the marketer in me wants to be like, what's the promise? So it's the funny thing, and this is kind of what I do with anything. This maybe I'm just not, I don't know, a, a <laughs> marketer or salesperson. But with, with ayahuasca, and I was very clear about this because it, it was a very, you know, there's an economic side of this, right? Where it's, I want to over deliver on anything that I do. Yeah. And that's coaching, that's retreats, that's anything. An ebook, it doesn't matter what it is. I want to over deliver and I'm going to feel really good about the energetic transaction. I mean, and in the last three years, like my coaching prices have gone up three times or four four times four times so i'm like dude i remember talking to you and you didn't even have coaching and i was like this is how you put together a little package of coaching calls (laughs) you were so helpful (laughs) you were so helpful in that but with with ayahuasca the thing is i'm not selling it yeah like we're we're have it's it's an information call and your call the call is and i have like more than more barriers to entry to getting into that than i would for anything else because totally you've got to really want to and if and if your barrier to entry is i don't know about how to get down to peru but i don't want to do it in the states i want to make that that trip out of the country is so essential and i'm curious and i want to do it with someone i trust so that's probably the thing is like you they go okay i know i've heard of connor's experiences like i trust him if i'm gonna do it i want to do it in a safe space Mm -hmm. a place that's been vetted with someone that I know, you know, won't put me in harm's way. Exactly. And so, and and they're, they're more, they're more, and I'm, I'm wanting to, I'm more or less interviewing them on a phone call, whether they fit the vibe of the group Mm -hmm. or not. So what are you not looking for? Like, what's a red flag? If you're talking to someone on the phone and they're like, I might want to go. And then you hear what? And then you're like, ah, it's not for you. Um, one guy was really unwilling to quit taking Adderall. Oh, really? That's one something like that yeah, where it's yeah, like yeah. Is that, if we're having that conversation and this just isn't your this isn't your thing. Yep. Honestly, by the time they get to me, it, there hasn't really been anybody that I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a really red flag. But what I'm what I'm looking for is someone who expects uh, all the problems to be solved. Mm. Um, they expect the the ayahuasca is going to do the work for them. Got it. Because the, the, as challenging as those little four hour experiences are, yeah. the real the real challenging part is like Starts coming after. back to real life. Yeah, and that's yeah. why I recommend people if you can stay a couple days, like go to go to a hospital hostel for a couple of days it's 30 bucks a night you yeah. know just eat some good food go to the beach you know yeah chill do some meditation yeah. do your thing reset um so I'm, I'm really just i want people to really fully understand what they're getting themselves into and and there's a lot of beginners and i actually loved that i love that there was like okay there's probably of the 15 people going three have done ayahuasca oh, before really? so That's we're cool. all in there together and and the in the the facilitating group at soltar does such a kick-ass job to the point where we'll, we'll do this as many you know a couple times a year at least That's awesome. yeah shit do we want to go again <laughs> i kind of do like i didn't at first but i had an amazing experience not the first night there was definitely not great experiences but ultimately kind of like your experience where it was terrible but yet you got such a good mm. message out like you're going through that and you're like why but what comes out of it and the lessons that come out of it were so mm-hmm. profound. I'm like, and knowing, I think the biggest thing that was like Jerry and the, the staff kept saying everything that's coming is going. So it was a reminder of it's going to end at some point. So I'm like, I could do it again. Yeah. I don't know. Like maybe after August, I feel like anything sooner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, well, yeah, but, we're, looking, we're looking at like the end of the year, early next year. But one thing that we wanted to do, and this is what, what we, I think there's, so, there's very little like, I would say modern practices and different practices combined with ayahuasca in a very traditional way. Like this is mm-hmm. a, the way we do it at Soltara is super traditional in the Shipibo tr- culture, which is awesome. And you also have the same healers every time. Mm-hmm. So, and they've been there. We're actually going to have the same ones. They rotate about every three months from Peru. Cause they still live full time in Peru. I mean, they're little five foot one Peruvian people that are just yeah. fucking the sweetest fucking people ever. Mm-hmm. Would you um, do it again? 
I mean, like now, you know, but I feel like, um, I mean, I'm not a mom, but I feel like yeah. it's one of those things where like you forget how bad childbirth is. And yeah. Then yeah. You're like, yeah, I'll have another <laughs> kid. Totally. <laughs> no, I just don't. I, n- <laughs> I will only go if I'm like fully ready to be physically vulnerable. So I think I was yeah. ready to be like emotionally vulnerable. Like mm-hmm. I was kind of like bring on, like I want to know all the things. I wasn't scared about that. I was mostly scared about the physical, like about the purging and stuff. Mm-hmm. Which you, seems like it's so fucking minor when you think about it. It's yeah. like, cool, you just like purge and then move on with it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's everyone's doing it. It but. was a big deal, though. I remember feeling that, too. And then after so many people are puking around me, that's kind of what we were talking earlier about the big group. It's like there's so many people puking around you that if you do it, too, whatever. And like nobody's really paying attention to you because yeah. they're so in their own experience. No one's paying attention unless you're the woman next to me that was vomiting in between my prison camp visits. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was paying attention to her then. But that was, again, and they, we talked about this, like that's part of my experience too. Like, yeah. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't, well, I got no relief. That yeah. wasn't part of my, part my of, journey. Part of my experience too was a girl screaming that, and I was like, it was just so terrible and I wanted her to stop and that this, the third night I think she screamed I put my ears over my my hands over my ears for a minute because I'm like, I don't want to hear her scream and then I got this idea of like, how dare you close your ears to someone else's suffering? Like, Ooh. how are you avoiding someone else's suffering? And I was like, uh, like, and then I just got this message of like, she just needs to be heard. And as soon as I got that, like she stopped and they had been calming her down and stuff, but that it just, it was just like this lesson to me of like, we can't just close our eyes and put our heads down to other people's suffering. And some people just need to be heard. And maybe once they're heard, then they're, it's not so annoying or terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it that was a lesson too, even though I was just like, shut up. I don't need your you know yeah i don't need to hear your story and like and it was affecting me but i'm like okay that's mm-hmm. her life she has to deal with it her whole life and i can just kind of like the white privilege thing or privilege it's like yeah. i have the privilege to walk away and not have to deal yeah. with it and i was like ooh, that was that was a crazy one yeah do you, does that does that come up for you do you think about that regularly whenever whenever you see something like that or maybe catch that in your normal life not like before or now now yeah, actually, you know, it's funny. Um, I told Jill a couple of weeks ago, there was a woman I was park. I was waiting on an appointment. This homeless woman came up. She kind of was, she was like banging on my car door and I was like, oh God. And it came up. I was like, I go, I need to listen to her. And, uh, I ended up putting her in my car. She was trying to, she was trying to get somewhere. She told me she was going one way and then she was going another and I was driving her all around. I tried to get her on the bus and finally gave her some bus money. And I just listened to her talk. I was probably with her for 20 minutes, but I wouldn't have done that before. Mm-hmm. But I was just kind of like normally if she was like this homeless person coming up, I would just been like, leave me alone. I don't need your drama. I don't need, <laughs> but I just felt like compassion for her. Yeah. And it's happened a few times where more recently, definitely before I don't know if I was ever like cold to it, but I'm definitely way more aware of it. Yeah. And when people come up with their, their problems or their stuff, I, it makes me question it a little more or have more compassion at least. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. There's definitely some things since that I've like still been processing. I'm like, okay, yeah. <laughs> what yeah, was that and it about? comes up for like a year. I, I say about a year. I mean, for you, you'll feel it and have different things for over a long period of time. But for the yeah. first year, it's, it's almost like it's, it was giving you stuff that you'll like, it'll, you'll get there when you get there. And yeah. it'll be like, oh yeah, that one time that thing happened. Yeah. It was, it's crazy. So did you, Jill, did you only drink one time? When you Twice. Were Twice? Yep. Yeah. I went the first night and the third night. Nice. Yeah. And I just could feel, it was funny. Um, I don't know if you listened to our episode. We actually went into it. Uh, we both like explained fully like our, because you know, here's one of the things we wanted to do with, with it, especially for the podcast was every time you talk to someone who's done ayahuasca, they're like, it was so crazy. 
but they're like, I can't even explain it. They just mm-hmm. always say, I can't even explain it. Mm-hmm. And I get why, but we like really wanted to try to explain it for people. Yeah. And so we did, you know, like pretty detailed. Um, it was like a two hour episode. I yeah. could <laughs> feel myself being pulled under. Like I could feel like when I was like trying to like, it was that the medicine was trying to pull me under to like have the experience. And I like consciously had this moment of like, I'm not fucking going there. And like, I just, and I just like shut it down. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, I mean that obviously like informs me about my willingness. And that was part of like my lesson that night was like, I remember looking around at all these people who like were puking and like, just like, you know, walking around with their bucket and all this kind of stuff. And I remember being like, wow. And feeling almost prideful of fighting it. Mm-hmm. And then I had this like complete 180 to like, holy shit, these people are, are like so brave and so vulnerable and I'm not willing to go there. So it was like, at first I was like kind of priding myself on like, I'm going to be strong. And obviously like my physical strength is important to me. So that was an insight. And then like it totally, by the end of the night, I was like, wow, all these people are so much more brave than I am. Like they're willing to like allow themselves wow. to the full experience and, you know, and to be that vulnerable and courageous. And I was like, damn, I'm not ready for that. Yeah. yeah. It was That's really cool. interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. So I don't know. That's what I'm saying. If I do go again, I need to, that's, I think I had like an emotional vulnerability, but, and it was like ready for that, but not the physical. Yeah. So it tells me a lot about like how strongly I value like my physical body too. I was like, okay, damn, like, yeah, like in, in health and Mm -hmm. fitness and wellness and all that kind of stuff. So I've seen it really clearly too. It's one thing to intellectually understand it versus feeling it and experiencing it. That's a whole different ball game. Yeah. And also like, I think I know Danny. Like I'm an I'm like cerebral, right? So like as things are happening, I'm trying to process them, and I think you're like not really supposed to do that. You're supposed mm-hmm. to like have the full experience and then maybe process it later and go like, oh, okay, look back on the experience and like allow yourself. I was in the moment being like, I wonder what this means. I wonder what this means. I wonder what this yeah. means, right? To, like, like, yeah, like, like, yeah, like, yeah, like intellectualizing yeah. everything. So like, how am I gonna talk about this later? That's one thing if you're like in the podcast <laughs> world. It's like, how am I gonna talk about this later? I'm like, dude, just yeah. fucking shut up. Yeah. Just experience yeah. it. Just like be here. Like you'll figure out how to talk about it later. Totally. You're, you're a good storyteller. <laughs> you'll figure it out. It's funny the crying thing too that you had. Like I, the second night, just bawled the pretty much the whole night through for different experiences. But it felt so good at the same time. Yeah. Like it was like this great release, and it just like felt good to just really cry. Like in a, and I felt like I could. I think there were times like even going through my divorce and stuff where I'd cry, and then I'd be just like, okay, I'm good. Like we'll we'll cry a little bit, but then we don't let ourselves like just let go. And I just, it's just like cry until you can't anymore. And you're like, okay, I'm actually out of tears. I'm exhausted and I can't, but it felt really good to do that. Yeah. It's funny. You know, I, f- I see that a lot in my female clients, which at this point is so funny. Like, yeah. So tell me what you're helping people with. Well, the way that I put it out there and this is what, like when you say stop being a pussy, like that's, I'm curious about that because well, that, that's to my male clients. Oh, I mean, yeah, yes. mostly. I, mean I, would, I can't really see Santa to women, but maybe. But then I saw that post on Instagram where you were like, you talked about like, don't be a pussy. And it was kind of controversial. Mm-hmm. So like, tell me a little was about that. Was I say that. don't be a pussy or did I say don't be a little bitch? Oh, a little bitch. That was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, there's certain things. So I, I've started to lately just kind of put put that stuff away. Like I'm, I just can't, I'm, I'm just, I don't have, it's not in integrity with me to be politically correct. At that, at that at that level and I've argued it and I've done these things and I've kind of like 
I'm like, how? Because the argument is what that bitch is like. It's condescending to women. Yeah, but it's like what we call people as dicks and assholes too. And it's like it's like we, it's just like we, I think we take it all a little bit too seriously. Mm-hmm. And and for me, it's like everyone I, has an asshole, so I think we can call. It, I think that's an acceptable. Thing yeah, to call or, or well, dicks and dicks and pussies. Are, is, let's just do, we can use those as an example. Like we, we all. I mean, it's like <laughs> at some point, I think that we we forget that we think that I think this is a, just a narcissistic aspect of our culture is that we think we're so important right now, and the way that we think of things right now is the way that things are, mm-hmm. and. The, at the end of the day, language is flexible, right? Like if you go back a hundred years, the word fag meant something way different than it does now, mm-hmm. right? Like for example, the word the, the book that I want to write right now has the word douchebag in the title. Well, douchebag now versus douchebag 15 years ago is not the same thing, sure, right? Like the 90s changed that. Yep. Language is flexible. Things will change and they'll come in and out mm-hmm. of trend. It's, it's, it, it is what it is. And it's like for me, male, female, whatever, like – Bitch has very little to do with sex. Yeah. Right. It's like that's not. I, I don't. I wouldn't belittle a, a woman in in that in that way. You know. And it's like there's fun. Like the word twat is kind of fun to say. Like it's just like. <laughs> it's it, it, kind of fun it, to it's, say. It's, it's what are you, what are you like what are your what are your intentions with the words and sure. it's like. A woman being bitchy and a guy being a bitch is two different things. Yep, that's and, true. And so it's like, what is your intention with that? And and, and what's the, what what point are you getting across? Are you saying it to say it? Are you kind of like, honestly. I would rather it be controversial because it gets more attention. Well, when you say, like, say you're on the phone with a male client and you're and you tell them like, "Stop being a pussy." What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't never, I don't we have it. mostly list think, female listeners. Yeah, I have mostly female listeners too. I think. At this oh, really? Point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like eighty twenty male oh, okay. female. Okay. Well, women ask for help more than men do. Yeah. So by the time a guy, to me, a guy not being a pussy is a guy asking for help. Yeah. Right. It's like it's like all right, did you need to like really? own your shit yeah right i don't think i'd actually say don't be a pussy that's just kind of a fun it's a it's a fun summation of what i'm saying but essentially it's what we're getting that's what we're getting at it's like own your shit yeah take responsibility for yourself it's no one else's fucking fault like it's the same thing as me saying like quit being a victim yeah right and there's a certain way where like i'm gonna help you i'm gonna i'm I'm gonna do what i can to get you there without saying that and it's like all right dude like you've got to really like stand up for yourself right like and that's the thing a lot of times people that that work with me especially are highly agreeable and they're hiring me to help them work that out because if you're highly agreeable and hyper polite and we assess this stuff with Jordan Peterson's big five aspect scale going in, it's like, I noticed that I was like, man, I feel like a lot of people are agreeable. Then I'm like, no, it's the people that are attracted to me because that's, that's not a trait that I have. Mm -hmm. That's something I used to be and processed out of. And that's why I attract those people that are highly agreeable. So for me, if you're agreeable, polite, very uh, uh, serving to others. Like for me saying like quit being a pussy means stand up for yourself. Yeah. Understand what it means to stand up for yourself. Quit right. being a pussy means know what you value about yourself and represent that with your actions because otherwise you're serving everyone else and that might be your wife. That might be your mom. That might be your boss. That might be your best friends and what they want you to do. Like it doesn't, it, it, that's very pervasive and it spills into a lot of different areas. But when I say something like that, it, there's a lot more to it than like calling somebody like physically weak, right. which I think when you're right. doing it and maybe that's, that's actually probably not what you're talking about. You're not like get to the gym. No, no, no. I'm not like, I'm not like I can beat you up. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like a really like, it's like, is it what, is it boundaries? Like it's all of it. It's boundary. I would say boundaries, boundaries, values, and assertiveness. I think we, we, we get clarity on values and boundaries and what that even means to you because it's different. We, like we say you can't really tell somebody this is what boundaries are. Yeah. You can do a pretty good job of summing it up, but it's like, well, what does that mean for you? Because really, 
where you need boundaries is is generally where you're codependent. Sure. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like that's different for everybody. Yeah. Like what wounding do you have yeah. that you seek to heal through superficial and unhealthy means? It's well, so interesting. I love and I, I love that because it really does, even if you can be in a relationship, whether it's a romantic or otherwise, it could be with a parent, like you said, co work, whatever. But if you're continuing to have that, you can be complaining about it high and low, but you're getting something out of it too. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow because it's like, why would I voluntarily want to be in this situation? It's like, you're, I mean, otherwise you'd be out of it or you would assert yourself or something. So is, is that yeah. a conversation you have to have with your clients? Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that is because, I mean, I've been through that, right? Like I don't... <sighs> I don't really talk people through some stuff that I haven't been through in some form or fashion. And I think that's one thing that happens when you have, you know, addicted parents that are addicts and come from a small town Mm -hmm. and then have like a really hyper codependent relationship with your boss and your girlfriend at the same time. And then you have a business that fails. Like I just, I've had a a variety of different types of experiences, but I definitely had those, those conversations with my clients. So what are, yeah. Tell us a little bit about like maybe some of your past. I mean, we've obviously known you for a while now and we've seen you kind of like have different iterations of lifestyle stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's so been going on the last couple of years? The past couple of years, and this is something I've I've just recently started talking about because I want I didn't want to talk about it with with a charge, right? I didn't want to talk about it from a place of like spitefulness. Yep. Um so once I once I left the gym, the fitness business, right? And I had to sell that out, I sell that. And there was a real estate fraud that had nothing to do with me, but it just like put me in a really tough spot. And Austin Real Estate had also just like skyrocketed. So there was no way for me to move it in a way that I felt was integrity with myself. So I, I bounced. And that was actually when I died of Oscar for the first time. Was that like a month before? I took a few months off, did a lot of self-reflection, started dabbling with like psilocybin mushrooms. And, and that's where actually Connor Wanders came from was me like wandering around mentally, physically wandering around the woods, um, doing my thing. <laughs> and I was like, I just, I, it used to be Connor Mo, and I changed it to Connor Wanders. It was like a, became a thing. So yeah. that's where all that came from is that three month period. Then I got a really shitty sales job that I fucking hated, but I was like, I'm going to do something. And that's something I've been good about doing is like, I'm going to do something I fucking hate to motivate me to, to yeah. find something that <laughs> yeah. I like to do. It was the most miserable experience of my, of my adult life. But then I started working at uh, Onnit. So I was I was the CEO of Onnit's project manager. And we did a lot of stuff. I learned a ton about podcasting. I was essentially going through all of I was a content curator as well. So I go through all of his content and break it down and like and send it off to editors and have like memes. And this is before people were doing a lot of this like clips of their podcast. Like that was yep. very early on. So we were doing clips and, and um, waveform, like the things where the words come up that mm-hmm. you see that everybody does now. Like yeah. we were we started doing that very early. That was like, you know, one of my projects and it was really fun. I had a lot of pride in that. And at the same time, I had gotten myself into what I would consider two of the most codependent relationships in my life with two people that I considered, and I would say this to their face too, like highly narcissistic. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean bad. When I say that, I think people put like villain victim situation sure. on narcissism and codependency. And that's not how I, I see it. I think that there's, again, that's, it's all, it all comes from some type of wounding. So, um, what really shaped me in that whole thing is that I was starting the Pleasure Monkey podcast and I was launching it under that that company, right? Yeah. So it was like it was going to be an on it podcast, one of the third on it podcast, um, which for me sounded like a great idea. It was like awesome. This is like scratches a bunch of itches for me. This is super fun. It's kind of this lighthearted personal development show that's not super like optimization focused. Um, and during this time. Uh, my grandmother who raised me. So my parents, like I said, were addicts. My grandmother took me in when I was about five and raised me my whole life. My grandparents did. They saved my fucking ass. They were amazing. She uh, dies um, from uh, from uh, ALS, excuse mm-hmm. me. 
so that was like a year long thing and, and it was really traumatic and the way it, like what I was doing the night that it, it was just was a, it was really really hard for me and um, I was in a big fight with my girlfriend at the time we go down to the funeral um, and we kind of get our shit back together she kind of shows up as best she can for the funeral and, and takes care of me for a while we get back to Austin the day of the funeral and then she break up, breaks up with me in the fucking Whole Foods parking lot. Day of my mom's funeral. And uh, I was like, okay, well, this is a lot. And I'm like completely fucking off my shit. Like I go back to work the next day just trying to like, get it together. And we also work together and we're like 10 feet apart. Yeah. And then uh, four days later, I get fired for really no reason. And, and the, I mean, there was a re- the reason was that my personal brand was now competing with my boss's brand. Got it. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were the phrase competing for content, mm-hmm. um, which I was totally blindsided by. So within a week. Because what was your perspective that you weren't, like you were kind of. It was just different. You were on the come up. Like you weren't like. Yeah. Like it I, wasn't a competition for you. I had Instagram followers and a podcast that wasn't launched yet. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, it was like, I was like, well, I'm, I'm doing what? Like, how am I like, I don't even have a budget. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I barely, pay, barely pay my rent. Like, yeah. what are we doing here? Like, I'm going to hire a team. Like, yeah. what is this? Yeah. It was, but that was, it was, it was in my, in looking back on it now, I think it was just that I became, I wasn't, I wasn't a Kool-Aid drinker anymore. And that's just not how that situation works when you're living in somebody else's world. And I, and I like a lot of attention and, and I, and I get it. And, and it's, you know, I, I've always been a big personality and a big voice. I mean, I, I, my entire twenties, I was in front of groups of people more than I wasn't, Right. you know, and that's, that's why I love to present and speak. And that's where I formed a lot of my ideas. You know, once fitness became fitness, coaching became easy to me was like, what else can I do with this hour to make these day people's lives better? And I got into personal development at 22 years old. Like who the fuck does that? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not the, me. Like, yeah. <laughs> me <laughs> and Danny yeah. and four other people in the world. Except but, I was um, like 10. Listen yeah. to Wayne Dyer tapes. Yeah, right. It was, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Listen to tapes. Um, but Dennis that was, that was the darkest time of my life, like hands down. Like I, I literally thought about killing myself more than I would ever, ever want to admit, um, and more than I was comfortable with. Because you felt like you lost three really important people in your life within a week. I not, I lost that and purpose it's like the person that i would have called to talk to Mm. about all this stuff was gone Mm -hmm. you know the person who like taught me how to love was gone when i had every reason to be a spiteful asshole and i was towards everyone for a while in my early 20s but but that was all gone and all i had was this podcast that wasn't launched yet with like five episodes recorded so that was a really interesting time that shaped so much of who I am now. And like I said, I'm not so charged about it now. Like, I, I like to share that story because it's really easy to paint this thing as fucking sunshine and rainbows. Yeah. And it was so, so brutal to, to deal with that and then think, like, I should just quit. I should go do something else. Like, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I had this, like, chip on my shoulder where it's like, let me, let me see if I can actually pull this off. Um, and... To their credit, like I got a sponsorship out of the deal, and like I was taken care of in, in a pretty decent way. But that wasn't like the money wasn't what I wa- wanted. Like I, I was seeking like a, a mentor and, and like and a, and a brother figure, and that wasn't really that wasn't that was never that was never that was never going to happen. That right. was never going to be the case. So man, it's been a little over two years ago now, and from that experience, people started asking me for coaching like i didn't plan i didn't say that to be like i'm gonna be a life coach like that's yeah. not what i planned to do people hit me up asking me for it um because of some work that i had done and so i offered eight spots at 500 dollars a piece mm-hmm. and just to like 
see if I could see what would happen, you know, see if I can make it happen. And people had good, good experiences and I just kept doing it. And, and now it's, you know, I would, that's where most of my income comes from is, is that, but it was through like, I, you look at the podcast and, and I try to keep a light heart with the thing and have a good time. Like it, at the beginning, especially was literally the only thing that I had. Mm-hmm. It was the only thing that I had to hold on to. It was my form of self-expression. It was my only sense of, of real connection with the community it was a community that I built around the show. Um, and I, and I, that's why I have this like deep, this is just deep passion for it because it did so much for me. So one thing that, that I find was very valuable to this. And this is something I work with people on too, is, is these, these dark patterns, right? These, these patterned experiences. Like I had put myself in, in, in toxic situations with men looking for a father figure over mm-hmm. and over again in my mm-hmm. life. This one was the one where the universe is like, Hey motherfucker, pay attention. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I snapped out of it. And I had so little energy left in my in my life in my just any in myself. I had to be so clear. I, and I remember having that journaling. This is when journaling became a big part of my life too. It was like, listen, man, you don't have a lot left. You got to be really fucking clear with where you're going to put your energy now. And you need to understand what you value about yourself, what you value about what you bring to the world, and you need to double down on all of that with what little you have left because. What else do you have? What else mm-hmm. are you gonna do? Like you mm-hmm. can't. There's no room for distraction. There's no room for. And I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know how to host a podcast. I didn't know how to. I didn't know how to work the software. I was. I was YouTubing. You still everything. don't actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, is, it, is it on? Yeah. Actually, is it on? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Over here checking. Make Earlier sure today, we're like, we have three things that we know how to do. Plug it in, turn it up, and turn it on, and turn it on. Yeah. Yeah. It's been. I was like, it was hours of YouTube videos yeah. and like and getting no sleep. And there's a, there's one funny photo of me. I'll probably repost it now that. On a, on a Thursday, Thursday, throwback Thursday. I'll throw, yeah, I'll throw a little Thursday. Thirsty Thursday. It's Thursday. a different Friday. Day. No, I'm saying, Thirst, I'm saying. Uh, Thirsty Thursday is where you wear a thong. Oh, oh yeah, I stay thirsty, but uh, <laughs> I stay thirsty. But uh, yeah, Thirst so that was it. Was long. that that became this very like clear indication of how valuable it was yeah. to get clarity on your values and then have boundaries. And I'll tell you one thing right now: when you're when you're when you're in a fucking narcissistic codependent relationship. They don't like it when you have boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> and you start yeah. to stand up for yourself yeah. and you start to say the one word that they can't fucking stand and that's no. Yeah. And it, and you the thing about it is if you have a hard time saying no, you're fucking scared of yourself. Yep. You know, you're scared of what you're capable of and you're scared of having your own space mm-hmm. and you need to I just, I remember sitting at this fucking table before a UFC fight looking around and being like I don't even like half of these fucking people. And yeah. not that I dislike them, but it's like, they, there's nothing that I get. Like, it's not, I'm not scratching any mental itches. I'm not feeling, yeah. a, these aren't, these connections aren't even aligned with where I want to go in my life. But what I am is relevant by association. Yeah. And relevant by association was better than irrelevant mm. in my mind. But yeah. then I was like, okay, well, do you want to roll the fucking dice and risk being fucking nobody? Or maybe being somebody that you can respect. Which one, which vert, like I would rather be, roll the dice and put myself out there and fall flat on my face. At least I could have a little bit of self-respect. But I had zero self-respect in that moment. And it was, it was so, it was so blown out of proportion. So I fucking, ba- I, I moved. I, I left Austin after that and I had the podcast was catching traction. I had, you know, a decent income. I was like putting things together. And it wasn't like I had a lot. It was like, I got a healthy tax return because I, my gym had lost so much money. I yeah. was like, uh, I'm out. And I was like, um, um, you know, my lease was up. Everything worked out. I went to Toronto for a month without knowing where the fuck I was going to end up. And now, you know, San Diego and now LA. Yeah. It, I had to just, I had to fucking 
do something, you know, and, and I love that I get to do these crazy things and take the lessons from them and share those with people so they don't have to, like, you don't have to tear, burn your whole life down because if you have kids, it's not really a viable yeah. option. You know? I love that you mentioned values because I think that is something that Danny and I have talked about a little bit in the podcast in terms of especially our exes and specifically my ex that for him became really important after the affair was like, what's my honor code? And I think mm. a lot of people don't take the time and I love the the concept of that, especially being in new relationships like Danny and I are. It's like you need to know. It's like it dictates how you act in certain situations. There have been plenty of situations that have come up over the last year with Keith where I could have easily, I don't want to say lied, but like not tell the full truth or lied by omission or left stuff out. But because I'm like I have a relationship to honesty now as a result of everything I've been through and that's part of my like my value system is like I will just I'd rather risk the honest communication and let the chips fall and know that I'm in my integrity, whatever that looks like. It's like kind of like a filtering test in a way. Mm-hmm. And so how do you help your clients come up with that? I feel like it's like it's kind of old school. It's kind of like medieval, like, oh, let's have a like a an honor code. But in a sense, it really does dictate how you act in certain situations. You're like, well, I'd rather lie here. But fuck, my honor code says I, you know, I, yeah. I tell the truth here. And I think this is why I love podcasts, right? Because you get the people that work with me have heard me talk for seeming hours probably or, or read enough of my stuff through Instagram or whatever that they know the language that I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. So the, the, what I would call that is like choosing your sacrifices, mm. right? So and this, I think that actually came from Mark Manson. Mark Manson, yeah. yeah. Um, no, it's Mark Manson and Jordan Peterson, which essentially shaped my adult life. They're like my two dads. They're like my Mark Manson and Jordan Peterson are like my gay dads. Did you know I actually had a call with, with Mark Manson in like 2011 Yeah. when he was just starting to do coaching and I was just after I found out that my that Jade was not, I didn't know, like I think it, the, the affair had started, but at that point I didn't know how, the extent of it. Uh-huh. And I remember, I, yeah, if I could talk to that dude, that's hilarious. I cannot, he, he's one of my like dream yeah. podcasts. He's on my like Mount Rushmore of guys that I want on my podcast. I think you can get him. Oh yeah, it's, just, it's yeah. a timing thing now that his new book launches out. But anyways, back to this. But it's like Mark, if you're listening to this, yeah, <laughs> which he, he wanders on Instagram. What it is? I'll just once I get a bunch of trolls on my team, I'll just have everybody like spam his account with yeah. like DMs. <laughs> definitely, that's one way. Minions. <laughs> that's one way to piss somebody off. <laughs> never talk to you. Yeah, you exactly to notice it. you. Yeah, they're gonna be like, this guy is crazy, and I like it, or this guy is crazy. We need to block him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, so so when it comes to value. And, and standing up for yourself, you know, I, I like the I like the language of choose your sacrifices because that doesn't. A lot of people will use words like alignment and mm-hmm. and I don't know like soul's journey or some shit. Right, and you're and like, it's what like, the well, fuck that, is that, that? Though it's like it's like this is gonna be fucking hard, man. Yeah, like this is you got you're choosing which one do you, you want to sacrifice your integrity or do yeah. you want to sacrifice having a challenging conversation? Mm. You know, like, I like I that. Even, and, and I find that so I, an essential part of what I do, yeah. and this is also an indicator of whether people are really gonna get something out of working with me or yep. not, is journaling. And mm-hmm. I give people journaling prompts. So we have this, like, we'll start off, we usually start off unless I have a lot of clarity on, like, exactly what we need to talk about. Yeah. Um, with morning pages, two pages of free flow yep. a day. And then what comes up in that is what we discuss. And through that journaling prompt, boom. And you're just peeling the layers back because the fundamental difference, I think, between a good coach and a coach who just needs to, is just selling themselves is is the understanding that you have all the answers to your problems. Mm-hmm. Like, what I have at best is perspective. Yep. Right? Perspective and sometimes language. Yep. 
right? Language is so powerful and so helpful, but if I can help you, give you the language to articulate yourself, give you the language to, to, to share your and communicate, like if you don't have the language, then you're fucked. Yeah. Right. Yep. Like, like for example, I was at a, a Mark Grove seminar the other day and this woman was saying something about how she ended a relationship that was no longer serving her. Do you remember the first time you said that something wasn't serving you <laughs> three years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Like you didn't have that language. You had yep. zero context. Yep. So if we can't, if we can't get context yep. on your feelings and how to express them, well then yeah. what the fuck are we doing? We're yeah. like Neanderthals, right? We're just like beating our chest and grunting at each other. It's so funny. We actually did an episode just on language and like some of those terms, like, uh, what does like serving yourself own your mean? power? Yeah, owning your power. Just things that are kind of like catchphrases now uh-huh. that it's like, what does that mean? Because it, yeah, a few years ago, some of those things were like, what? Yeah, what was that? Yeah. So. And it's funny because sometimes you have people on one end who don't have that language, yeah. and they're like, okay, cool. I need to like, I need to find some. I need to find people in my life that and yeah. connections that really serve who I am and, and help me see myself more clearly. And then you have some people who have too much of that language and they just use it to bypass and talk totally. about their problems without ever solving their own problems. Yeah, yeah. Just Dude, like- <laughs> I'm just like in English though. Like, or, yeah. like I can't understand. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what are we doing here? So, so I'm like, is this marketing? Yeah. It's so, it's designed to confuse you so much that you're just like, this person knows so much stuff I just need yeah. access. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let me <Exactly>. pay you. <laughs> Give me money. <laughs> Sometimes I think the best coaches have been through some of the most stuff or they've worked with enough people that have been like you. Perspective is what you said. And I think perspective really matters. Now, there's... I've noticed on your stories, you've been talking a lot more about relationships. And I was like, oh, he's turning into like this dating coach or something now. And so I want to, I want to know what you've been through the last few years. Cause you came out of, you were talking about this codependent narcissist mm-hmm. relationship. And now you just came out prof- with your new girlfriend on Instagram, like last week or so. And it seems like a vastly different relationship and you seem like a vastly different person. Mm-hmm. So what was that journey like for you? How'd you get from there to, from the A to B or I'm going to say like A to F. <laughs> I mean, also <laughs> were you like a little bit F. of a fuck boy at one point? Um, I mean, I've had my moments, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like an honest fuckboy, I feel like. I w- no, it was very. Like, it, sometimes when you're when you're in that situation where you're like out and just doing your thing, like yeah, it doesn't matter how honest you are. People are still gonna get their own ideas. So true, <laughs> so true. That's me like, right now. It's actually. like it's like, hey, I, I told right you now, exactly what was gonna happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, just chose not to listen for some reason or created your own narrative. Story of my um, life. So for me, let's just talk. Okay, so we'll start from the last major relationship I had. Yep. Came out of that with very little sense of myself and a lot of yep. clarity on the fact that I had very little sense of myself. Yeah. So I was honest with myself about not really having <laughs> yeah. clarity on who the fuck I was. Yeah. So the process for me became, okay, understand, like I was saying earlier, understand what you value about yourself, how do you represent yourself. And what happened out of that was once I started realizing I'm going to be owning my power. Uh-huh. I don't know if you want to use just some, some sure. trope. Um, <laughs> but if I started like – I started – Getting a little bit more attention and being feeling attractive, sure, feeling like because I I had always dated women and I had told myself that they were out of my league, mm. and even if they weren't, I told yep. I still acted like they were, so I made them. Yep. I manifested that if you want to say that, sure. You know, I, I created a situation where I felt less than. Yep, and. For the two years, I, I always be- wish I was dating people out of my league. <laughs> yeah, right? you do like not. A- <laughs> you already you already told it said on the podcast you want to be the hot one in the relationship. Well, I don't mind being the hot one, but I think there's other other characteristics. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got that covered. Yeah, it's, we're fine there. Um, but uh, but no. So that for the for the, after the last relationship, like I really just kind of. I just kind of went out and like I, just, I, I said, I said I'm just gonna experience. I'm just gonna say yes to a lot of things, and I was very, again, very honest fuckboy if you want to call it that. But I was in my, I'm in my early 30s, so it was like it wasn't like I'm, I'm not a child. But I, I got, 
I wanted to question, and I keep go through these phases where I want to question and kind of and, and kind of deconstruct everything. Mm-hmm. So I was open to something, but somebody had to really strike me. Like sure. Kelly, what, what we have now, like there wasn't a, there was never a question. It yeah. wasn't if this is going to be a thing. It's like how is this going to be a thing, and how how do I should I punch hit the, hit the brakes and slow it down or not? But it was there was never a question of whether it's going to happen or not. Sure. It was it was more just a pacing issue. Yeah. Um, in which I just kind of like you know. Just hit, hit, put it in sport mode and said, fuck it, right? That is the question. Uh, like, do you, at the beginning when you're like, do we just like hit the gas or do we go slow? Like, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It is a- but the process w- was so fun because I got to meet a lot of amazing people. Uh-huh. I got to have a lot of really cool connections. I was traveling a ton. So I was I was really ungrounded. And since I was ungrounded, my relationships were ungrounded. Sure. And, I did, and, and people would try to ground me. And I'm like, I'm only here for a, a few weeks, you know. I'm just in town. <laughs> I'm just, I'm on tour, you know. Um, so it was really nice. And I got to float around and do a lot of a lot of work on myself. And how I was showing up for other people, like my, the energy, and I think energetic investment is very important to look at, right? Like what's energetically expensive? My last relationship, my boss was number one in my life, or my girlfriend. What, they would switch back and forth, mm-hmm. but Jin was my boss was number one. I thought about him all the time um, in like the straightest way possible, but about his brand. <laughs> sure, You know, like yeah. this brand is so important. I wake up like, okay, what can I do today for the brand? That's not my brand. Yeah. Um, and then my, my girlfriend was second. I was third at best. I was third in my own life most mm. days, and so I put myself, you know, in the in the in, in first in my life, and and then I decided like when and I wrote out. This is why I love journaling. Um, I wrote out when I broke up with that that last relationship on accident. I wrote out what I want in a partner. In my morning pages, it just came up. Yeah, like it just it just free flow writing. What I, and I actually got a chance to sit down with my ex about a few months or a few weeks after we broke up and said, hey. There's going to come a time where we both miss each other and you're going to think that you want this again. And I want you to look at this first before you hit me up, Dang. before you call me. And remember, like, this isn't you. Dang. And it was hard, but it was a, a great place of closure for both of us. Actually, what I wanted her to send it to me. She still has it. Yeah. I just gave it to her. And it was so nice to have that. It's like this is a declaration of like moving on. Mm. And so for the next two years, I was able to just experience a lot. And, and one thing that's really fun when you when you date a lot, and I was dating a ton, yeah. is you get to hear people's stories and mm. what are their problems with it. And I, I do a great job. I think there's you know the few skills that I have in the world. One of them is holding a very non-judgmental space for people to say whatever the fuck they need to say. That's what I say. Even in my coaching, I have a lot of practices, exercises, you know, whatever the hell you ever could need personal development wise, like I've got those, but the most valuable thing that I offer is a judgment free space. And if you bring that intention into dating yep. and you have strong boundaries and you understand your values and you can communicate your values, I started to see how that would light people up and how they would get so excited to share themselves. So I learned so much over that, over that couple of years that I started attracting clients who are struggling with yeah. their dating lives. And I've always said this, like, I've never launched a program that wasn't something I was doing already. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yep. I was like, like, my girls were starting to get, mostly my women that yeah. I was working with were getting these really cool relationships and meeting these guys and like communicating with themselves well and it was very attractive. And I was like, okay, there's something here. And then it kind of clicked. I was like, oh, I should just put out like a dating program for people yeah. too because this is really, really fun. And we would talk about their dating apps and how to have a healthy relationship with dating apps and how to, you know, put those together for them and help them write their bios and all this. It's just, just it's a lot of it's so energetically expensive to do this. Sure. So let's like let's refine it. Let's get it to where it's your 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 you're getting you're getting a return on your investment into the dating world mm-hmm. because that's such a fucking pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And you know, with Kelly and that how that all went down, like 
she hit me up to be on the podcast, mm-hmm. uh, or actually her assistant did, and I was kind of a smart ass back. I usually don't respond to those emails because it was kind of a generic, kind of generic email. And yeah. then we started talking via Instagram, and it was like within a week we were talking every day. We started voice texting every day, and it was like I hadn't had feelings, like real feelings for someone in a long time. So it was kind of overwhelming for me, but. I was finally in a place where I was grounded enough in my work and my life and I understood my values that I, I had so much confidence in being able to represent my values with my actions, not my words, that I was comfortable going into something that was very substantial. Mm. Did you make a conscious decision about that? Like, I'm just in a new relationship and about last June, I want to say, when I was in Cabo with Jill last June, I was like, I'm starting to think I'm open to the idea of a relationship. Mm-hmm. That was like my work, my thing. I'm open to the idea. And so it's been a few months of finally, cause I was like you traveling. It's like, cool. I'll see you, but I'm going to be gone tomorrow. So like, mm-hmm. what's the point? I'm not, I'm not going to be around, but I felt like I kind of made a conscious decision that it was going to be at least open to relationship versus just serial dating. Mm-hmm. Did you do that? Or it just kind of happened once you kind of like came to terms with <sighs> you and knowing who you were. I don't think that I had, you know what I have to, it's funny when you're kind of, when you're, when people, when women, so women will project on you that you're a fuck boy and that you're, that your heart, and this happens to guys all the time, like, well, your heart's not open. And that's them telling the, themselves that story because you're not. Because they feel rejected. They or, feel rejected. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, well, he has, sure. you know, it's like, it's not me, it's heart's closed. I'm like, well, it's not you, but it is kind of. Yeah. Right, it's just not a fit. We're like, yeah. it's not you, it's, it's, it's me, but it is you. Well, and this, I, I always hate that. I hate that phrase too. It's like, it's not you, it's me. It's like, it's, it should be, it's not you, it's us. Yeah. Like us yeah. isn't what I want. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's what it is. You know, it's, yeah. it's not you, it's and us. And that's like a hard pill to swallow, especially if like, I'm sure you've maybe had mm-hmm. women who wanted to take things more seriously. I mean, yeah. I know Danny has well, had plenty I'm, of I'm men catch, who wanted you know? to Me and Danny are on the take same page. I'm like, I feel like seriously. Connor's a male version of me in this, yeah, in this context. Yeah. Totally. Well, and it's anything, but it is. I want to have a good time too, and, and it's I, for me. I don't. Know, I would love to hear your thoughts on this. It's like I overshare sometimes, or I'll say something. It's like, and I kind of feel like I'm like I'll actually like hurt Kelly's feelings. I'm like, oh shit, I can't like, I can't say this to somebody who's like a real partner because it's like I used to be able to say whatever. I'm used to just be able to say whatever yeah. the fuck I want. Like, yeah. that's and it's kind like of, actually like, why would you change that though? Yeah, and it's it's there's a difference where it's like, am I being avoidant? Right. That's the question. It's like, mm. am I am I avoiding intimacy by saying something that I know will be like, is it subconscious? You know, and that's one of the yeah. questions. Versus like, hey, is that is it really a big deal if I talk about like the girl on the billboard billboard's ass? Like, it's more just like I'm, I'm yeah I'm I'm actually talking through things that will probably be content soon. Yeah. And I need you to help me do that because <laughs> this is kind of like you understood you know yeah. who you started dating, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's a balance. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, with Kelly, it was it wasn't a conscious decision to go uh-huh. over we're talking about. I think that I had to make that decision in defense of myself, mm. right? It's like, well, your heart's not open. And I'm like, I wouldn't argue with them. Like, okay, cool, whatever you think. But in my own self, in my own inner dialogue and in my own journaling practice, like, is my heart open or not? Yeah. I feel like it is, but I feel like it only is for the right person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when someone really like gets me that, when someone make like gives me that desire to want to explore that and want sure. to open up to them, I'm open to that. I'm open to opening up that. Yep. But it's not coming from such a challenging situation where it's like, I mean, get, get broken up with on the day that your mom dies and then talk to me about an open heart real quick. <laughs> Not that I want to play the victim, but that shit sucked. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it was one of those things where, where Kelly had been through some shit that was hard too. So that was, there was something really fascinating about the fact that I think both of us really love teaching each other mm-hmm. and we have, and I got this from Mark Manson too, uh, mutual admiration. Yeah. And I think mutual respect, mutual admiration, and love are on the same plane. 
Love's not more important than the other one. Sure. Yeah. I think love is more flexible. Mm-hmm. Love changes. Like the way that I love Kelly now versus the way that I love her when she's pregnant, two different loves. Sure. Like there's a whole different, they, they, they can change and, they'll, and, and things will be very much different versus, you know, respect and admiration. Those things I think stay pretty, are pretty yeah. stable if you can figure out how to work them out. And I have so much, I admire her so much. And for some reason she admires me. I can't really figure that out. But, um, it works. It's fun. So Aww. you guys recently, Danny had mentioned you guys recently posted on Instagram and we did a whole episode on is social media the sixth love language <laughs> and implications. And I know it's it That's feels fantastic. really, I don't know, superficial or nuanced or I don't know, to talk about sharing your significant other on social media for the first time. Because mm-hmm. in a sense, especially as someone who like the, the three of us maybe have had a lot of uh, relationships, dating, things like that. And, you know, Danny and I had, we kind of joke about it, but we've had like a queue of like dudes who just like are these kind of hanger on or like people you just talk to every once in a while, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Maybe you slept with them or you haven't. And so it's not that you want to be with them, but like there feels at least a little bit at the beginning a risk of posting about something publicly because you are sort of cutting off other options. And of course you want to, that's why you're posting. Yeah. But did you get that feeling of like, damn, like, you know, no, I mean, not that know. you. I mean, you want to, but you're also like, is there a feeling of loss there at all, or not really? Well, it's just funny. In the first two hours, I didn't. I, I kind of just noticed this. In the first two hours after posting the first photo with me and Kelly, which was, I think, was a little over. It was a couple weeks ago. It was a photo we took at Josh retreat. It was just like so fantastic. It, it was just a great day, all in all, and. um I lost 20 followers immediately. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny, I'm surprised Danny didn't unfollow. She, that's classic Danny J behavior. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tell so the story. I have, who was it? Jesse, what's his last name? No, what's the country singer? Sam Hunt first. And Jesse, what was the other one? <laughs> Jesse Palmer. Jesse Palmer. So I had this huge crush on Sam Hunt, country singer. Yeah, of course. Everyone he does. got married. I fucking unfollowed. I was like, fine. You can't, I can't follow you anymore. Yeah. I've, <laughs> and I've then done that. Jesse Palmer had a big crush on him. And he started posting about his girlfriend. I was like, because my relationship, I was like, you don't respect us anymore. <laughs> you don't respect, <laughs> you don't respect the relationship, relationship that I created know. in my head that we had an entire life together and you didn't even recognize me. Yeah. So and I think these are girls that I, I dated at some point. Yeah. It's like, sometimes it's so funny. Um, <laughs> well, they're just holding out. Like they're probably they're maybe used out. to being single. They're kind of yeah. like, oh, like maybe like if I'm out in LA, like yeah. maybe we'll hook up. I get it. One of the things like one thing that really, ex- I'm going to have to unfollow you I now. feel really good whenever people, uh, they say that they people that I really actually know, not like my Instagram followers, but people that you know, people. My Instagram, my, my audience is so fucking sweet. Like I, they're yeah. so great. And y'all's actually y'all's audience is fantastic, by the way. Uh, every time I'm, every time they do anything with you guys, I get like the most, the best love. <laughs> but um, it's the people that I really have known for a long time. They're like, dude, you look so fucking happy. Yeah. And it's not like yeah, it's yeah. not like oh, you look happy in your Instagram photos. Like they see yes. they they you know we keep up with each other and Genuine. they can tell. It's like oh, dude, that that's that's real. And that feel that feels really nice. Um, but. A fear of loss, like, I think if, if you have that, it's like a, a loss of other options. I don't know. There's always going to be more people there. Like, it was never like, it was never it's like, It's not oh, hard what to I assemble do? a queue. Yeah. yeah. Huh? It's not hard to assemble a queue. Oh, no, no. Like, <laughs> there's, there's more, there's more, you know, slutty fish in the sea. <laughs> but no, it, I didn't have a, a concern about that. I, um, yeah, it, I normally would. 
and I liked that I didn't this yeah. time. Yeah, I actually felt the same. Yeah. You know, I think when finally, like, we kind of, like, share, I mean, it was funny because all of his friends were like, oh, Jill pissed all over you on social media. Uh, but he actually, I think he shared first, actually. But anyway, it was like, it, it felt like a relief a little bit. It kind of yeah. felt, like, nice because when you're with someone and you really care about them and you, like, love them, it's like, you know, like, you are proud to be with them. Mm-hmm. And it's been a long time since I've had that feeling, you know? Yeah, it's been so long since I've had that feeling. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's always like there was so much insecurity around Tons. social media with my with my ex that was like, oh my god, if I have to listen to you like talk to me about an Instagram post for three fucking days, yeah, I've written five in that me- in the meantime. Like it's like, what are we doing here? Yeah, and it's like, oh, well, then this has got to be this way, and then obviously like, a different value system. I, I can't promote the podcast because of this, and I'm like what like this is so dumb right it feels like super calculated it was, just, it was just so it was so like it was needy mm. like that that that's that reliance on social media feels like so needy to me whereas it like is. kelly's awesome i'm like, I'm like oh, this photo didn't get that many likes it's like a group photo and those never do well and i'm like the, the algorithm changed and i'm like what the fuck happened to all my validation you know yeah. and she's like you need to quit caring about that and no I'm like, it's oh, so thank true God. Like, I need, I need like, somebody on the other fine. side versus like you know my ex would have been like oh well i guess I need to change our change our relationship situation. Right. <laughs> something. I'm like, God damn it. It's like, you know, I, I see it as clinical. Yeah, I do see it as clinical. Like, you know, I've asked myself, like, what do what's does well? Like, we're talking about I'm launching a product right now. And I'm like, oh, you know, I really do want to, especially when I'm launching, like, I want to get eyes on my stuff. And I know stuff that does well. I just, I just don't want, I don't need to put out something that does well every single day. It's like, cool, I want to, like, honor where I'm at. I want to, like, yeah. talk about what's on my mind. And that might not do well. And I'm like, cool, what's next? Like, to me, it's, it's a process, especially when you've been in the industry as long as we have. It's like, not everything's going to fucking crush, but for me, it's just about consistency and about reps and about showing up and mm. about honoring what you want to talk about that day versus needing it to like get a thousand or whatever. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's definitely a process. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, it's a process. And I've realized that what I, what, why the content that I put out is valuable is because it's ge- very, very genuine. And I don't like to say, I don't think you can call yourself authentic, but it feels very genuine to me. <laughs> Dude, that's the worst word. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's like the best word, but it's also word. like yeah, so got overused. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People took it, took it, took it and ran with it. And now it's, <laughs> they ruined it. But, um, you know, but it looked at this and it was, uh, you know, I have to go, I like go through some shit and I like learn like just the way I have, how I do with my clients. I get away, I find a way to articulate it yep. and I put it together and that'll be a series of things. And you can see that it's almost like the, the Instagram feed now is something like my parents don't understand this. It's like, that's kind of like the timeline of my life. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a really cool photo album. I hope Very it doesn't cool. like just disappear. It's like, oh, this is cool. I can go back and like see like, you know, my writing's way better than it used to be. Mm. And you know, the photos are different and like how I express myself is different. And you know, I'm like not as strong as I used to be. My hair is shorter. <laughs> like, <it's>, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's a different deal. I know your hair used to be so long. I know I had it down to like I was I was trying to get it down to my nips and then um it was wasn't funny. it though? It was close. I think when I met you, you had a ponytail, didn't you? Oh yeah, it was like it was way. Yeah. I mean, I you had, had a ponytail. I had a I bun. I had a big bun for like six years. Yeah, he had yeah. the man bun. Yeah, it was a long time. And then it was uh, when I moved to California. I was like, it was just like I was just shedding. My hair was literally shedding, but I was like, because <laughs> <laughs> you were under you know? so much fucking stress. Yeah, right. It was like, oh, yeah, but it, it, honestly, I, got, I had some grays coming in uh-huh. more than I have now. And when I moved, I left Austin and everything. I they went away. Interesting. Dude, California is a cure for all. I have like yeah. I have like the ones I have now are like very aesthetic. Like aesthetic grays <laughs> on the side, like it's like grays. the ones that I want. Hate dudes, they always just get better looking as they get I older. I know. I know. It's so I funny. Know. I keep getting better looking. They're like it's weird. salt and pepper, and I'm like, I know Keith is gonna be like the hottest of his life at like 45. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm actually like thinking the 40s are gonna be good to me. They're always yeah, good they to definitely. Men. They're most, so good to men. Yeah, most men I know. We're are gonna 40s. be doing an episode on aging as a woman, which is. But so Danny and I are both are dating men that are five years younger than us. Oh wow! Six years. Well, you guys are like young spirited though. 
<laughs> I've considered dating both of you at different points in my life. <laughs> <laughs> we won't Never worked out not admit probably feeling the same. Um, <laughs> or at least we did not doing have some shenanigans <laughs> at one point. I think we actually repro- I think you actually might propose like a threesome at one point. <laughs> yeah, I remember if you guys said that. You said like you guys said that to me like way after the fact. Like, yeah, we were down for that. I was like, really? What? <laughs> Not anymore, though. But no, no, it was, like, it was like the time has passed. I'm like, you can't, that's not, that's like an Indian, you're like an Indian giver. What is this? <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like the relationship time, like overlaps, like just never yeah, really never worked out. never worked. Was, and also, Danny and I are just not, we've been proposed, we have been propositioned probably a dozen times. Oh gosh, for, for threesomes. threesomes. Yeah. Yeah, most, most propositions for threesomes are going to be a no for me, dog. <laughs> yeah, same. They're an interesting, they're an interesting scenario to put yourself in, but. Yeah, you've done, you have done. Yeah, yeah, a few times. <laughs> <laughs> He's time. told us. I think you told us. Actually. I think I told yeah. you. We talked about it on the podcast. I mean, there was. I think we did. I don't actually. go. I mean, we, we could talk about it. But they're like, they're, it's an interesting situation. They're all like very, it's almost like spontaneous in a way. The craziest one was with these like hit these two hippie chicks in San Francisco. Oh, that was the one he told us yeah. about. Yeah, with this with the with the tuning fork and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? But he, hey, that's, that's actually that's premium exclusive content. Those that full story is going to be on uh, on the Realness podcast. We can't go into yeah. it here. Yeah. So if you guys, oh, this is so good. If it you want to hear good. about the threesome with the tuning fork, Connors, and also so much good content on mm-hmm. the Realness podcast. Follow. Connor on Instagram. Yeah. I mean, it's Connor Wanders on Instagram. Connor is Connor spelled with an E. Connor with an E wanders with an A. Connor with an E wanders with an A. Yeah, that actually is good to say. Yeah. And subscribe to the Realness Podcast because it's yeah. good stuff, and you talk about all the things and just real things, which I love. Yeah, we, we go into it. We have a good time. A lot of, a lot of uh, listener DMs. So if you ever want to talk about anything on the podcast, oh, just yeah. shoot me a DM. And I prompt a little bit on the, on the Instagram stories. Um, definitely follow Connor's stories because you have good content there. And it's funny. It's entertaining. You have good stories. Yeah, I mean, my, my goal is to have everybody, you know, entertained, aroused, and enlightened at the same time. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I'm going to change mine. I'm not doing good on the arousal part. But I was going to say, how can we turn edutainment and then like add like a, an arousal, arousal component, component to that? <laughs> Ed, yeah, Ed I'll think about that one. We'll figure <laughs> it out. We'll figure it out. Let's, yeah. let's brainstorm on that. Well, the podcast is called The Realness, so you can expect very real content. Yep. And we have obviously loved having you on and just seeing just your whole trajectory. And like, and you were awesome from day one, and you continue to be awesome. Thank and we you. are so happy that you're close by now. Oh, man, I'm so stoked to be out here. Yes. And we can't wait to be on The we'll Realness again. again. Yeah, we got to get you guys on the podcast again. and Because uh, we're get, in different places than yeah. we were. When you guys have always been Dude, like Dude, the like last time we were on, I was like legitimately. Almost, I wasn't embarrassed. Remember the time? So, like last year, we were we were like some fuck chicks last year on his podcast. I I know we what were talking we talk about, about like dating and yeah, you guys had a, some interesting situations going on. Like somebody was sleeping with their neighbor. Like there was some. There stuff. Were <laughs> I don't remember who was who was doing what. Go back was, and listen to the old ones. I think the know. first time we were on, we were trying to like keep it kind of cool, and we talked about business and stuff. And then last year, we just ripped the bandaid off and we just talked. Fuck we were it. drinking. Yeah. Aaron Alexander was there, Straight so that was up. weird. Oh, we've been on it three times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah oh, yeah, yeah. We have been on yeah, three times. Have, yeah. Yeah. Scan Connor's feed because we told some stuff on there that we haven't talked about here. So. Oh, when I. Oh, well, I don't know if told us on the podcast. Remember, <laughs> I, like, this is at, like right after I, I slept with that guy and he was like, I can't miss this happening because you're Jill fit. Oh, <laughs> that's what it was. That's what it was. The I was Jill like, there was something was so and you admitted oh. and we were laughing so hard. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, we were drinking and telling like we were telling like dating stories. Oh. That was so. That was one of the most fun podcasts oh I've ever my done. God. Oh my God, I can't so say fun. it was more like like now my podcasts are much like more concise and I'm a better interviewer. But that was so rambunctious <laughs> and ridiculous. Like you know what, you guys should get on the podcast um, with me and Kelly. Yes. yes, we'll do a realness with all four of us. Oh yeah, you know I love doing a four person podcast, and you guys can just like grill us on on different stuff. It'd we'll be do really it. fun. She's hundred percent because she'll get a little bit awkward, and it's really cute. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> She's gonna be on, and we're gonna have both of you on. So, boom! Love Thank it. you for having us. That you're so Thanks, close. Guys, love y'all. Bye, bye, guys. Bye.